This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to Baseball Outside the Box, Copabe Playball and ESPN Honolulu. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We are ready to rock and roll. And thank you for having us in over 100 countries. We are now live streaming on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Any questions, especially on Facebook, let us know. Just put them in the comments section and we will get those questions in. Uh, again, everybody, thank you. Baseball Outside the Box. Today, we have a special show for you. First of all, we're talking about pressure, two types of pressures. And you know what's interesting about all this is not only a major league umpire for all these years, and I'm going to tell you who it is in a minute, um, talk about being, a, you know, you watch the games, how much pressure an umpire has. And then in 2014, he also came out. Um, I want to talk to him about all this because if you can handle those two pressures, you can handle anything <laughs> in the world. So let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm not going to go over everything, but let me, 32 seasons, um, 91 postseason games, three World Series, three All-Star games, 12 divisions series, six league championships, major league umpire, and also an author. The umpire is out calling the game and living my true self. Love it. The memoir of 37 years and pro baseball and a journey coming out in 2014. Hey, let's not waste any time. Let's welcome former major league umpire who just threw out the first pitch at the Padres game. He's thrown out many in the big leagues. He's got more to come. Um, Dale Scott. What's up, Dale? How you doing? I am. Uh, I'm doing great. That's uh, that's a long intro for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, it's a long bio and a, a long history. It's unbelievable. Who, who did all that stuff anyway? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> And, and I should have mentioned also radio uh, personality, right? Yeah, I worked. I worked radio about uh, five and a half years. Well, let me tell you, you've got both the voice and everything for radio, television. It, that's got to be. Hopefully, that's your next gig because you know what I, I you know, without I just thought about this, but I didn't think about. You know what we need? I see it sometimes in Major League Baseball. Um, we need an umpire in the booth because sometimes you know, you know, rules, interpretations, right. All that. You know, in all fairness to the announcers, they, they got a pretty decent idea. But when you got an umpire there, you can kind of get both sides, especially sometimes explaining to the fans that uh, strike zone, electronic strike zone, which yeah. I kind of think is unfair to the major league umpire. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't kind of think it is. I, I know it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I, actually, the, the year after or, or the year I retired, 2018, uh, I did get a phone call from uh, Fox, uh, from a producer at Fox, asking if I was curious or you know, they were curious if I was interested in doing some kind of thing like that. But to be honest with you, um, it involved, you know, basically being in every weekend from the beginning of the season, uh, flying to L.A. and being there to, uh, you know, whatever games are covering that that Saturday and then flying back home. So so every weekend would be tied up, plus the whole month of October would be uh, uh, living in L.A. I just 
to be honest with you, I just didn't really want to do that. So, uh, but I was, I was flattered that they approached me about it. I thought uh, maybe, but I, I, it just wasn't something I was interested in doing. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, you know, there'll be uh, other major league umpires that are retired, you know, that maybe they'll jump on that. Cause I think it's really good for the game, but, but I listen, do know, I, I do know uh, 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 Brian Gorman is doing it for the Apple uh, TV broadcast that they do on Friday nights. Now uh, they oh, do nice. have uh, Brian set up for doing that. Nice. Like it. Listen, before we uh, get into you and everything, I want the audience to know a little bit about you. So I'm going to give you some quick questions and then All right. and then we'll get started. I mean, real simple ones. Basically, you know, where were you born? I was born in Eugene, Oregon. And high school? Yeah, Eugene, uh, Sheldon High School in Eugene. What, any, what was your favorite sports at the time? Well, I, I was always a baseball fan. I mean, I, I grew up a baseball fan and, and football. And then uh, at Sheldon, I played, uh, I was a three-year letterman in tennis. That sounds impressive, but um, I didn't win a match my junior year. And my senior year, I lost in the, uh, in the, in the uh, playoffs, you know, uh, first uh, set or six love, six love in my first match. So I wasn't necessarily really good, but I did letter. So there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I also heard, I heard you on, the first, on that first pitch you threw in Dodger Stadium. That was incredible. Um, you even mentioned, so that's why you went to umpire, right? Just like me. I, I went into coaching because I couldn't play that good anyways. Right, right. I couldn't hit, throw a field or run. But besides that, I was, you know, I was, I was right you were ready. <laughs> <laughs> I always said uh, what stopped me was talent, right? That stopped me from exactly. making it to the big leagues. Exactly. How about in school? What'd you like in school? I always liked history. Uh, I always enjoyed history. I enjoy, I, I was horrible at science. <laughs> uh, I was mediocre in math. Uh, English, I was, you know, I was okay. Uh, thank goodness for a spell check because I, I never was <laughs> very good spell. If, if we didn't have, you know, if there was some kind of a spelling thing, when I wrote this book, it really would have been ugly. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so those are basically what I liked in, uh, in high school. You know, I'm with you on that spell check boy. And sometimes when, when I'm, when I hit spell check, sometimes I've been, it's incorrect because, you know, the English language, two words mean right, the same right. thing. And yeah, yeah. You have to, you still have to edit a little bit, but uh, believe me, if I didn't have it, it I'd, you know, come off as not very smart. <laughs> Tell us about your parents, influence they had on you. Uh, they're still alive. God bless them. I just saw them. Uh, I spent Mother's Day uh, after the Padres uh, game Friday night. I, I, they live in Irvine, California, and my brother's down there. So we had a nice dinner and everything. Uh, my dad's 91. My mom's 88. And they're, they're doing well. They, uh, they were, you know, they've always been, uh, you know, with my brother and I, I mean, they just have always been, uh, you know, had our back, uh, encouraged us to, uh, I mean, I, I think they thought I was maybe insane when I said I wanted to be an umpire. Um, <laughs> And I, you know, they, they weren't quite, you know, and then I, you know, explained umpire school and the whole process and they thought, well, okay, you know, and, and then the first game that uh, both my parents saw together uh, in the Northwest league, my first year, I ejected uh, the uh, manager for Medford, uh, the Medford, Oregon team uh, uh, in the first inning on a play at the flight. And, uh, you know, my mom, after the game, she goes, I just, I don't know why you do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these people in your face all the time. Um, and uh, I think my dad, <clears throat> I think my dad, the first, the first three games uh, that he ever witnessed me working in the Northwest League, I had ejections in all three. Now, it wasn't like I had ejections in every game, but he kind of thought I did. Um, and so, uh, but it, yeah, they, they were always uh, very, uh, uh, you know, you know, behind us and whatever uh, my brother and I uh, wanted to pursue. And luckily this thing uh, worked out. Awesome. Dale, um, what about as an umpire, as a, on the field and off the field, uh, same person or, you know, like I, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm a little different on 
on uh, Zoom or radio or something like this, you know, than I am in person. Right. Uh, how about you? Well, you know, uh, I don't talk like this all the time when I'm talking to people in person. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm 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 pretty much the same. I uh, I'm a pretty go with the flow, happy go lucky guy. Um, which is, you know, strange when you see some of the clips of the arguments and things I've had. I don't look like I'm, you know, go with the flow kind of guy in some of those. But um, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I, my personality, I think, comes out. Uh, my true personality comes out both uh, on camera and off. Favorite city to umpire? Boy, we had a lot of them. I mean, Chicago probably would be uh, number one. But man, there's some good cities that we'd go to, you know, Boston and uh, Minneapolis, Seattle, San Diego, uh, Denver. I, I like all those all those cities. You know, same thing. I know it's tough to decide number one, but how about a favorite player that, you know, was kind of always professional, no matter the situation. I mean, uh, I Ken, know there's many of them, but. Ken Griffey Jr. Um, you oh. know, uh, he, uh, he obviously Hall of Famer and outstanding player, but he had, he had a great disposition. He, he almost, it seemed like he was always smiling, um, you know, and, 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 and if he, you know, you called pitches on him that he didn't necessarily like, you know, he didn't, uh, he, he was very professional the way he approached you or the way he talked to you. And, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's a pretty good role model for the kids. I mean, I think all around, this is a pretty good guy. How about lastly, a country you want to go to, you've never been to before you really want to see. Well, I've, I've never been to Italy. Uh, I've never been go. to Italy and, and I've never been to uh, Germany. Those are, those are the two I've been to Europe, some other places. Uh, but those, those would be the two, uh, Italy. In fact, uh, Mike and I are our next big trip. It's not planned yet. I don't know where we're going, but uh, Italy is, uh, is the number one. Well, you hit me because, you know, I am Italian. My first language <laughs> Italian. I was raised in Italy by my grandparents from three to six years old, came over, learned the language, uh, learned English, been there. And I've been very fortunate. They've been there probably 40 times. I take teams there. We're going to get you. We'll have to get you there because we'll have to do some umpire clinics in Italy. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> I will call, call, we'll, call me. I'll give you my number. <laughs> this, and we've done many there. So that's why I bring that up. Um, and in Germany, too, we do a lot of uh, different clinics around the world when it, with coaches. But we also like to bring umpires because of, you know, teaching coaches the umpire relationship. Right. I mean, you, you teach coaches all the different skills and how to work with players. But what about how to communicate with umpires, especially at the grassroots level? Well, and plus, you need umpires to play the game, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, I know there's a huge shortage in the United States for not only baseball umpires, but sports officials in every sport. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you, the outreach in these other countries, I know Major League Baseball has has uh, had, uh, you know, outreach also. They have the World Baseball Classic. That's every, what, three years or something that uh, mm -hmm. involves a lot of uh, countries around the world. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm certainly not saying the umpires are more important than the players, but if you don't have umpires, you really don't have a game. So uh, uh, you need to make sure that you, you have, uh, you know, both that are uh, learning the game and, and learning how to do it all. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, I think it's great that you have done clinics and stuff or, or you know, uh, coaching clinics or, or, you know, baseball clinics in, in Italy and Germany and wherever, because to expand the game, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I've been very lucky. And, you know, one thing in my coaching career, what really helped me, I got to tell you is I went to Mickey own baseball school. I started as a student and there was an umpire school there. It started by a guy by the name of Carl Luton. Um, we're going back 35, 40 years. Right. And I got a chance to umpire a hundred games starting at 15 years old Every, all, every summer for about eight summers, um, okay. which was, right. that made me a much, much better coach. Cause you'd also had to study the rules. You, I mean, sure. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, but I noticed that you started at 15. 
yeah. Umpiring. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was not very talented, <laughs> so so my playing career was uh, such as it was uh, going into high school was was over. But I but I was really you know like I said earlier I, I'm a I was a big baseball fan, and at 15 if you if you don't have the talent to play on the JV or varsity team in high school. Uh, and you want to stay involved in the game, what exactly, uh, what exactly can you do? And a, a friend of mine had umpired the summer before, and he said, hey, you should, you know, you should umpire. It's, you make some money on the side, and it's, uh, it's kind of fun. So I, that, I, you know, I started doing it in, in, when I was 15, and I fell in love with it. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, I also added football and basketball uh, at the high school level, but I, I officiated year-round um, for many years. I mean, high school uh, or uh, football and basketball I did for 18 years each. Uh, which even overlapped with my, my baseball stuff. But uh, did you enjoy umpiring? I loved it. Matter of fact, I was a much better umpire as a player. And I, I loved it from the minute I started, I yeah. stayed with it. And then I went into coaching. Um, I could have gone either way, you know, um, and I wasn't sure, but coaching was something I really enjoyed. Sure. And, and, and on that, I wanted to ask you this. When did you have a good idea that you were pretty good? Well, I, I, you know, I always enjoyed it. Um, and, and when I, uh, you know, started at 15, when I was, uh, 18, 19, uh, there was a, uh, an umpire that I worked with in, in Eugene, in the Lane County area <clears throat> that had gone to umpire school a couple of years earlier and he didn't get a job out of it, but he, but he just thoroughly enjoyed the whole, you know, five weeks. And, 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 you know, he said, Dale, you're, you know, you got a lot of potential and I think you would really enjoy umpire school, <clears throat> even if you didn't get a job like, like, like himself, he said, because, you know, it's, it's uh, taking the, uh, you know, umpire, prof- it, it, it's, it's, you learn stuff at umpire school that you have, you never even thought of, you know, about just footwork and, and how, you know, how things, I mean, it's just amazing. I went into umpire school. I went when I was 21. And I, you know, I thought I was, you know, a decent umpire. I thought I, you know, had known how to umpire a little bit. <laughs> I got there and I felt like, you know, I don't know nothing. I mean, I, they, they, you know, from square one, they, they, they teach you. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to, to be in the, uh, in the top five of, of, of that class. And I went to the advanced school and, and, and the, and the career was started, but uh, when did I know I was pretty good? You know, I, I felt like, I was decent when I was like 18, 19 years old. And then I just uh, progressed from there. Yeah. You know, for some reason, I don't know why, but maybe it was just because baseball was just, I was average man right away when I was 15, 16, because you know, we had college coach uh, teams coming in mm-hmm. and at 16, I was umpiring behind home plate with colleges. And it was like, you know, I was in control. Right. Um, right. You know, but again, you know, you just, here's the next part of all this. Here you are, you're going through the system. There's so many umpires, just like there are so many players. The odds of making it to the major leagues, I'm, I'm sure, is extremely hard. Right. Um, were there times where you sat there and said, why am I doing this? Maybe it's time to go on. But but something kept you going. Well, to be honest with you, I, I was lucky. I, I, I only spent five years in the minor leagues, which is wow. not a long time. Um, wow. You know, the, the average umpire, if he makes, his, uh, makes it to the big leagues, you know, the average umpires in the minor leagues, I don't know, anywhere from eight to 10, 12 years sometimes. Uh, um, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Did, uh, did uh, when, when there was a supervisor, I had, I had good games. I, you know, I was on the chart or on the radar, so to speak, uh, pretty quickly. I worked two uh, winter balls in the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. which uh, really helps you sharpen your skills because you are uh, presented with things down there that you probably will never see in the big leagues, but you have to deal with them in real <laughs> yes. time right now. Uh, and, and, and that, and that, you know, just makes you a better, 
a better empire. So I, I was like, so, so to answer your question, no, there really wasn't because when I, when I, when I got, when I went to empire school, uh, I had, you know, I thought, well, you know, the odds of making it into minor league baseball aren't high. Um, but I would take that knowledge at uh, umpire school, get back, go back to Oregon and, you know, start working college and working my way up, uh, those ranks, um, knowing full well that there is a shot if, you know, maybe, well, when I got there, it's a five week course after a couple of weeks to maybe about halfway, I thought, you know, I think I, I think I'm in the top seven or eight here, uh, of, of this class. Um, the top five are going to the advanced school. So I, you know, I, I, that's what I was shooting for. And I ended up fifth. I was, I was fifth in, in the class. And so, uh, um, you know, once I got on, once I got into professional baseball in the minor leagues, that's when I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to ride this wave as long as it takes me. And if I, if I get thrown off, I get thrown off. If I decide to jump off, I'll jump off. But uh, I would regret not riding this wave years down, you know, down the road. If I would say, why well, I should have pursued that, or I should have done that. You know, because you never know what could happen. Well, that's so I never got discouraged. I mean, there were times that were discouraging, but I never got discouraged to where uh, to where I thought, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned luck. You know, we all got to have a little luck in life. Oh, absolutely. Um, we also a little hard work and smart work and all that. What other skills were the individuals who are evaluating the umpires? What particular skills are they looking for that makes the difference when they're going to pick somebody? Well, you know, uh, obviously, uh, from at umpire school, they, they you know, you, from day one, you're taught the proper mechanics, both bases and, and plate, you know, uh, rotations and coverages and that kind of stuff. You have rules every morning, you're going over rules and stuff. So, you, so, but to answer your question is it's everything really. Um, it's, it's, it's your, your rules knowledge and the tests and, and those types of things that are happening. It's on the field during the drills and in the, in the cages, uh, calling pitches, uh, you know, that you're competent at that as far as mechanically and you're not, uh, you're not moving your head, you're not, you're not blinking and, you know, on pitches and, and, and that kind of stuff. And then kind of a, a subjective thing, but they also are, are, are looking at you, you know, the, the students are, are, are you, you, you live and breathe umpiring for five weeks. I mean, everybody's living on the same campus, you know, and that kind of stuff. And the, you're always being observed. You're, you're always being, uh, watched basically from the, uh, uh, the instructors. One of the things that's going to make a difference, is just how you handle situations, you know, um, it, you know, fast forwarding a little bit when a guy, if he makes it all the way to triple a, um, now you're, you're knocking on, you know, knocking on the door to the big leagues, but <clears throat> there's a lot of really good triple a umpires that never made it to the big leagues just because of a numbers game. There's just not mm -hmm. a lot of big league umpires and not a lot of openings, you know, in, uh, as you go through, but what separates uh, the AAA guys, because they're all pretty good, uh, you know, judgment wise and mechanical wise, or they wouldn't be in AAA. Mm -hmm. But what, what will separate them is handling situations. How do you handle uh, a situation that, that, that you made a mistake or a situation that you didn't make a mistake, but, you know, they're, they're piling on? Uh, does, you know, if, 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 if I make a mistake on a, uh, uh, you know, or I have a big argument on something, and the ejection and all that. Does it affect me the next pitch, the next batter, the next inning? Um, am I thinking about it or am, you know, am I, you know, is it done and over with and I'll deal with it after the game as far as, you know, maybe, you know, reevaluating what happened. But, uh, you know, some guys can <laughs> be really good ball strike safe out umpires, but when it comes to situations, they have a tendency to throw a little gas on the fire uh, mm. or the opposite. They, they get trampled and they don't respond like they should. 
So that that's really usually what what's going to be the difference uh, uh, once you get that. And and in umpires, so it's the same thing in the, in the in the setup drills and situations you have. They they get a feel for how you are dealing with things, and uh, and that's how it helps them to make the evaluation at the end of uh, how you rank uh, in the class. So that that sounds like that's really a big that one of the biggest parts is communication. How you dealing with sure. managers? Sure. I deal with confrontations. Players. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know, there's several ways to handle things. Uh, you can be bombastic. You can you can be the aggressor. You can be too meek and 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 you know, uh, you know, let them run all over you. You know, you've you've got to find you know the best way of how we handle. I mean, trust me, I, there were times that I handled a situation after the game. I said, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was not the best way to handle that. Um, you know, and of course, you learn from it. Um, but yeah, you, you, you know, you know, it's people sometimes say, well, you, it's a power trip. You're an umpire. It's, power. No, it's not a power trip, but you have a lot of power and, and, and you don't want to, uh, uh, use that in just because I, I'm, I'm the umpire by God. And that's what you're, you know, this is the way it's going to be. I mean, you, you have to, uh, you know, deal with the situation and deal with the person you're dealing with because every manager or coach or are different and and you have to do it in a way that uh, is fair and, and professional and in a perfect world uh your uh, emotions aren't and you know you don't get too fired up you're the only people paid out there of all the people on, on, on the field not to get fired up right now that's easier said than done sometimes but uh but all that plays into it and and uh you know it there's a man, let's say, uh, Tony LaRusso, let's say, uh, I might handle him completely different than a partner of mine on my crew. We still get the same results, maybe, right? But we do it in a different way. So there's not just one way to handle stuff. And that's like I said earlier, uh, sometimes I handled things and I thought, I probably shouldn't do that, <laughs> you know, next to note to self. Um, or or you, another thing is observation. You see how a uh, how a partner handles something good or bad and you make notes and, and, and kind of figure that out. So there's a lot of that going on that has nothing to do with pitches and, and, and plays. I remember when I was young um, and again, instinctively I did it. And then I just saw it on a major league game. I, I think we saw it. Um, you never know exactly the situation. Um, I remember being behind home plate, you know, there's times where you have a pretty good feeling you might've missed the ball or strike, sure. right? And the catcher doesn't turn, but he's pretty upset about it. Sure. And I remember saying, Hey, I missed it. Um, life goes on. What else can, what, what's the rebuttal? If I, if I did I, just recently, I saw an umpire go like this to a pitcher, like, Hey, my fault. You right. don't, you don't, you, in the past, you didn't see that much of that. At least you didn't hear of it. Maybe there was. Well, you know, first of all, it depends on the pitcher and the catcher uh, that you're dealing with. I mean, there were, there were some uh, that I would, um, you know, you may not have seen, you know, what you saw the other day. That was uh, Chad Fairchild, I believe, was, yes. was the umpire. Um, you may not have seen that. But, you know, if if I have a good rapport with a, a, a pitcher and, and more specifically a catcher, um, I might tell him, you know, hey, uh, you, know, you know, tell him tell him he throws there again. He'll get it, you know, or, or you know, just let him know that, yeah, that's on me. And, and you may not have had a, a, you know, never see that because it's just a little verbal thing with the catcher. And he sure. tells him in the dugout and, you know, nobody knows is any wiser i mean i've had uh i've had times where i you know i balled a pitch and the catcher kind of you know he throws it back and i said you know again if it's somebody that i that i that i felt i could uh i, I could talk with and talk to i would say well you know after uh, running that through my mind again that's eh, a pretty good pitch you know and they go okay you know i mean they appreciate that now the problem uh, or the danger you might have 
you, you can't be doing that all the time, right? Because pretty yeah. soon, pretty soon your credibility is, is, is imploding. The other thing is there are, there were certain catchers or pitchers that I would never admit that I missed only because they would use that information immediately to, to not, you know, not blow, uh, 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 you know, help my, help my career, let's say. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you have to know who you're dealing with um, and, and you have to do it uh, sparingly in certain situations, you know, it, it, that may happen, but um, you know, there's other, there's other ways of uh, dealing. I remember uh, uh, I had Earl Weaver um, when he came out of retirement and he came back for one more year. Uh, and that was my first year, I believe. And uh, I was at the old Memorial uh, Stadium in, in Baltimore and his pitchers on the mound. And I, you know, I called a few bullies. They didn't like, you know, my, my strike zone very, very much. And Earl was kind of complaining a little bit. So he went down, he went out and talked to the pitcher. And when he was done, he came by, instead of going straight to the dugout, he comes over to me and he goes, he said, uh, those, uh, those, uh, those pitches aren't high. And I said, uh, I said, I've got them up. And he goes, well, they're not. And I, I said, okay, so when you're hitting, those are strikes. <laughs> and he said, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. You, you, I, I, can, I can understand what you're saying right here, uh, Earl. You're saying that they're not high when you pitch, but when, you know, when, yeah. when, when they're pitching, it is. You know? And he, he that, you know, I kind of, he said, well, that's not what I'm saying. I said, well, I, I know exactly what you're saying. So <laughs> off you went. But I, I mean, sometimes you can, you can um, you can deal with somebody and get your point across without being, you know, in your face or or aggressive uh, aggressive doing it. Um, it's you know the same thing happened in my first year. Uh, the Yankees, the catcher, uh, um, I can't think of his name offhand, but he you know he pitch came in. And I had a, I had it low and early in the game, and he throws it back and he says, "Dale, we got we got to have that." And I said, "That that, that pitch is down." And then a few pitches later, a few hitters later, about the same spot, boom, ball man, Dale, that's a good pitch. And I said, no, I, you know, I, I've got the ball low. So uh, about the 13, boom, same like <laughs> ball. He goes, Dale, that's a strike. I said, okay, all right. All right. I duly noted. I said, so when you're up, I'll, I'll call that a strike. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I didn't, I didn't, well, I don't, well, I didn't say that. And I said, well, no, 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 no. I, I mean, if that's a strike, if I'm missing that pitch and that's a strike, well, that's a strike for you too. He goes, well, I don't call that on me. I said, okay, <laughs> well, you know, I'm, so once again, it, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of pointing out to them that, you know, they kind of know it's low too. They're just, they're, and, and they're doing their job. They're trying to get a pitch for their, for, sure. for their, for their pitcher, but you kind of throw it back on them and say, okay, all right. So I'll call that. A, <laughs> you know, well, okay. Maybe not. You know, interesting as a coach, I'd be thinking, you know, I'm thinking, listen guys, you know, you're not getting that call. So why are you throwing it there? Get it up more. Right. I mean, yeah. change whatever you're throwing. Um, well, you know, uh, and Peter, you may not, you know, I'm not talking about uh, extremes, but you may not necessarily like an umpire strike zone, but if it's consistent and you yep. know what it is, then, you know, most players, pitchers and hitters can, can make that adjustment. And, and I think you would tell me immediately as a coach uh, from your coaching uh, experience, it's the guys that are a little inconsistent that, that is, you know, that right. you can't get a beat on as far as where, where he's calling stuff. And that's, what's really frustrating for everybody because, yeah, and I've been there. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes that the ball looks like a beach ball and it just, I mean, you're right on it. And other times it looks like a BB and it, you're not even sure you're not picking it up well or whatever. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily that you like his strike zone. It's that you know where it's at and you can then make those adjustments. Yeah, I agree with you. That's all you could ask for is consistency. I mean, you know, it's funny. I remember somebody telling me an umpire, you know, you have to, it, 
it's an impossible task because you start perfect and you have to end perfect. Well, then it's not never going to happen. Right. You know? um, now, technology has changed the game, um, Dale. And I, I want to ask you about this because it's interesting. Not only has it changed the game because now they know the strike zones of the umpires better, right? Because you got that hot and cold that got a cons- that your consistent pattern you're talking about. They could really see it, understand it. But the other part is you see it a lot. I know catchers are taught certain skills to make sure when they catch the ball to catch it in a certain manner and all that. Okay. But what I'm seeing is what I saw when we were younger, I'm seeing a guy catch a ball here and move the glove. Yeah, we're not sure. talking about, we're talking about seven, eight inches. The reason now I've been told by experts in the game that the reason they're doing that because they didn't want to is because it actually is. They actually are getting calls. Um, called strike that are balls and they're seen it technology wise. Does that make any sense? Well, yes and no. I, I, I you might see, uh, let, let me put it this way. I, you're talking about framing. Yes. Um, and I think framing is overrated. Okay. I think well, there is a, it is true that if you have a good receiver, if you have a, you have a catcher that receives the ball well, uh, he, I, I like to call it massages the ball. Uh, the best I ever had, was early in my career with was Bob Boone. When when Bob Boone mm-hmm. caught, he, he he seemed to catch everything so smoothly and just kind of massage. He he made everything look good, right? Any any of that any of that stuff around the corners and stuff right around the knee. I mean, he just made everything look good. You know, um, so a good receiver absolutely is going to help your pitcher because you you you're taking that borderline that that really close pitch and just just massaging. Now the, what you were saying, and I've seen it. Um, you know, a, a pitch is an inch and a half or something outside of boom. And they just, and they, you know, they catch and then move. And, yeah. you know, sometimes a guy would do that. And I would say, don't, you know, first of all, when I see that, that's telling me you had it outside. Right. <laughs> okay. And now you're trying to fool me. Sometimes they take good pitches. You're, you're going to get this pitch and they still do that. And you go, you know, don't do that. Don't just catch the ball, just receive the ball. Okay. Um, but I think it's all now. In lower levels, I believe you may have with inexperienced umpires or young, you know, younger umpires might, yeah, that might influence them a little bit. But you know, in the big leagues, and, and again, a good receiver, a good catcher that's a good receiver is going to be a positive for his pitcher. But a guy just, I, I, I do not buy the uh, well. He's, you know, he's. He's uh, he's framing the ball and it's fooling the umpire. It, most of the times, the things you were talking about it doesn't fool us at all. It's it, it, you know, and 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 sometimes, quite frankly, when they do it, they're on borderline pitches that if you just stick it, you're probably going to get it anyway. But, but by 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 that movement, you're telling me I didn't have a strike, you know. So yeah. uh, you know, no, I, I, I I just I, think it's overrated. I agree with you because you know, if, once you move it, you know, it's kind of working against you if you right. think about it. Now, as an umpire, here's what's interesting. When did you know it was a strike? Because did you wait? For, I mean, in your mind, obviously, I know you don't make the call right away. But when did you know? As soon as the ball crosses, I would think you would know even before it even hits the glove in some ways in your brain, in your mind. How does that work? Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're picking the ball up out of the hand and you're, and you're, you know, you're following the ball all the way to the glove. Now, part of the reason, uh, I mean, I'm making my decision when it's in the strike, you know, over the plate area or not over yeah. the plate area. I mean, in, in, in the, in the, in the zone, uh, the hit zone, so to speak. Um, but I'm not, I'm in my mind, but I'm not going to do anything. And, you know, boom, the ball's caught. 
half a second. And then I'm going to call something. Why is that? Why, sometimes they go, well, why is he taking so long? No, well, he's not really taking long. It's called timing uh, in any sport as an official, but in talking about baseball, you have an umpire has to have timing. Anytime you call something too quickly, you have a real good chance of, of, of making a mistake. Let the play or the pitch finish. It gives you a chance to, uh, on a pitch, you know, I, I've, I've determined what I have in that strike area, but I'm not actually signaling or calling it until, you know, you know, a half a second or so later and, you know, the ball is caught. There have been times that my timing, because of my timing being good, I, my initial thought of, oh, that's, you know, that's a, that's a ball. Oh, no, you know what? That was a good pitch. Boom. And I call it a strike. If I had, if I had called it to my, if I timing had been too quick, uh, I don't have that split second to kind of rerun that, that pitch uh, through your mind. It's the same thing on the bases. You have to have time. How many times have you seen like a, a steel play or something and the umpires, you know, jacking them out and the ball's rolling around. He's that's that, your timing's way too quick, right? <laughs> way too quick. Give the fielder a chance to screw up is what we always say. Give him the time to, to make a mistake. Don't be in a rush. It's nothing until you call it. So don't be in a rush to call it. Make sure the play is over you know, and then make your, uh, make your call. Um, so when I do clinics, when I talk, uh, uh, you know, uh, at, at camps and stuff, I can't stress enough to, to umpires timing, take your time, take your time. You may feel like in your mind, my God, that take, you know, that was forever. That's eternity. It's not, trust me. Uh, and you're going to alleviate, alleviate, is that the right word? Uh, so many mistakes. If you have that good timing and, and, uh, uh, one of the, just the, probably the number one, um, thing that I see when I see, especially younger umpires as in experience wise, uh, that, uh, that are working is they call things way too fast, way mm. too fast. And you just have to settle down, let the, let everything happen. Another thing that's changed in the game is the catchers. Uh, the way we're teaching catchers, you see them go to one knee, you go, you kind of go, even they're even going like the Manny Sanguian stance at times. Uh, a lot of this today has to do with giving the umpire a better vision of the strike zone. Does that help? Is that something good? Well, you know, I, I had, uh, I worked behind Tony Pena um, mm -hmm. and Tony, a lot of times, uh, you know, he would jet that one leg out and just be way down. Yeah. It oh. gives you, a, it gives you a great, a great shot, a great uh, view. Um, sometimes you feel a little naked back <laughs> because yeah. the guy's so, so low, you know, you have to trust your equipment for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, that certainly is going to give you a nice view. That certainly doesn't mean that if they don't do that, you know, you, I mean, sometimes you have, I, I, I work behind Carlton Fisk. He's a big guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he got down pretty well for a big guy, I have to say, but, you know, as an umpire, you may have a, a, a hitter that's crowding the plate a little bit, a catcher that wants, you know, they want to work him inside and your, your, your window, your view is getting shrunk. Um, and so there are things that we do to try to compensate for that and, and it certainly makes it more difficult for us to to do our job that being said we got to do our job you, you know if you got a close pitch and, and 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 those guys are doing it you can't say well you know he crowded i can't see it i don't know you know what I mean? it's that's not really an answer I mean, you still have to uh, do what you have to do to, to see the pitch but anytime you have a guy that gives you a nice uh, big window so to speak uh, it helps uh, uh, immensely for sure. You know, and speaking about vision, interesting, you know, like hitters, you know, they're always trying to pick up the ball early out of the, you know, the pitcher's hand. Um, they're doing some vision training. Is there something particular you did, you know, to get better as an umpire or is the strike zone, once you have the strike zone, that's your strike zone or, or can you, 
get better at calling balls. Well, you know, every pitch is, I mean, here's the thing. First of all, you, you just experience calling pitches, calling, calling pitches is, is going to, you know, help you be much more consistent and, you know, and seeing the ball and that kind of stuff. But you know, you have to consistently mechanically make sure that you're doing the right thing, you know, late in the game, if it's been a long game or it's really hot, you're, you're tired. You're, you know, mm-hmm. your legs a little tired. You're, you're mentally, you might be just a little fatigued. I mean, because it's just things going on, but you have to do the basics every time you want to make sure you're set and not coming down as the pitch is coming in. That's moving. You, know, you want to be set when the pitch is coming in, you want to be um, uh, in the, what we call the slot, which is the area between the hitter and, and the catcher to, to, to see, you know, see the pitch. If, you know, I'm constantly reminding myself if, uh, if I'm, if I'm going down, if I don't see that, if I can't see the edge outside edge of the, uh, of the plate, I'm probably too close to the catcher because his head's in my way uh, or I'm not high enough. Um, you know, my, my, my head's getting too low. Um, these are just, you know, check my boxes. You check as you, as you go through when I, when I was back there and trust me, you know, 30 plus years in the big leagues, you still have games that you're just, it's just not, you know, for whatever reason, sure. uh, you're not picking the ball up very well, or, or your timing seems a little quick or whatever. But when I went, when I would have those types of games, I just, I, I, I talk about it like, uh, like when you learn how to drive and then teach you how to drive your 10 and two, 10 and two. And that's, you know, that's how you drive on it. Now, after you get experience, eh, I'm just kind of cruising, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> you know, because, but all of a sudden now you're on a six lane uh, freeway going hundred miles. Now, eh, I might be 10 and two again. Okay. So, um, you know, it's same, the same thing with, you know, umpiring. If, if, if things I'm seeing the ball well and I mean, time is good and stuff. Fine. But now if I'm struggling, what do I do? I immediately go just through the checklist. Uh, my, am I set for the pitch? Uh, my head is my, you know, am I in the slot? And my head height, uh, my timing, you know, everything that you have been taught from day one, basically yeah. to get back to, 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 you know, refocusing and, and, and hopefully picking up the ball. Um, and, and, and you do that on the basis too. I mean, if I, if I, if I kick a, a steel play at third, instead of, uh, you know, uh, you know, being down on my son, that's terrible. After the game, I'm going to watch it on video. Why did I miss this? Was I too close? Was I too far? What was my angle? Was I moving? Uh, you know, uh, all these little checklist things to, to hopefully, uh, you know, prevent, you know, oh, you know what, when I take that play, I am, I am too, you know, step and a half too far. I, I need to come over here or, you know, whatever that, whatever it might be. Because a lot of times when you're doing it, you don't feel it. You don't, you think you're in good shape. You see it on video, you go, oh, you know what? I did overrun that, or I did, uh, you know, do something like that. So you're constantly trying to, you know, self-evaluate yourself. And it doesn't necessarily mean it happened when, when you miss a call. You may, got, may have got the call right, but you just weren't comfortable where you were. So yeah, I'll take a look at it and see, uh, was there something I could have improved on uh, when I, you know, when I took that play? You know, it's interesting, no different than a player, right? They go back to the fundamentals, one, two, right. three, right. go back to the basics, try not to do too much. You know, the other part of all this is, you know, the hitters have, uh, you know, certain ballparks where they pick up the ball better. And some parts Absolutely. Have, is that an umpire too? No. Well, let me tell you a little story. Uh, 1997 uh, divisional series. I had uh, the Mariners at, at the Orioles game four. I was behind the plate and it was about, I think it was a three o'clock start. Um, you know, it's in early October. Um, Randy Johnson is pitching for the Mariners. There's wow. a silver building. <laughs> in downtown Baltimore, uh, beyond center field that normally doesn't come into play. But when you're six eleven and and you're a left-hander, yep. the ball was coming out of the silver building at this three o'clock in the afternoon start where the, you know, the angle of the sun in October, I mean, 
I was like, and the catcher too is go, Oh man, I can't, you know, I mean, his, the ball was coming out of this uh, uh, sun drenched silver building. And for the first few innings, it was just tough to see, you know, and, and there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, there, you can't move the building and you can't move them out. So you have to, uh, you know, you have to just kind of, uh, and, and that's when you really want to have slow timing. You want to make sure you saw what you thought you saw and run that through your head before you, before you, you know, tell everybody what you got. But uh, there's times like that, uh, you know, sometimes when we have replay now, but there were times uh, out in the outfield, was it, what did the, did the, uh, did the, uh, um, was the interference, did the, did the fan touch it? Did, if he did touch it, was would have had gone out anyway, so it's a home run, or did it not touch it? Or, or we have a line here, if it's above that line, well, that's a home run, but I'm not sure. And and the thing is, you're going out as, as a covering umpire. You may be, you know, 200 feet away or, or so. You see it one time in real time. There may be a bunch of white shirts, people in white shirts out there. It may be, uh, it might be uh, the wow. sun is, is glanced off of a, a, a advertising sign out there or whatever. I mean, it, there's a lot of factors that play into that split second and that when you have to see something. Um, and, and again, not, not as an excuse, it's just, that's just reality. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just, it's very tough to see or pick up the ball. And then of course you have places like uh, the Metrodome, which is no longer around or uh, Tampa, which is, which I, Tampa, I call arena baseball because it, that's what it seems like. Uh, and, it, you know, this ring and that ring and whatever. But, um, uh, you know, I, many times at the Metrodome, Metrodome uh, especially the visiting team, they would lose a, a, an easy pop-up or fly ball because they can't see. They're not used to looking, you know, with that, with that yeah. light uh, uh, background up in the roof and stuff. And, and as umpires, I always used to tell, uh, tell the crew that you know, a lot of times, uh, maybe the covering umpires, umpires, the third base umpire on this particular play, I, I would tell the guys, everybody else, keep your eyes on them. Because a lot of times you, from across the way, you have a, a better angle of seeing what, 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 you know, if it hit a ring or if it hit a, a speaker or whatever. Um, and it, you know, those are, those could be really tough, but it's, um, you know, when you watch it on TV, it's like, <laughs> it's obvious it hit the, you know, it hit that, or it's obvious. It hit that. Right. Well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is from your couch, but it's uh, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's not here, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. The sun's not in your eyes either. <laughs> right. You don't have Randy Johnson coming out of a silver building. Okay. Right. And you know that I was wondering about that. There's really nothing in those situations, nothing you can do to adjust in a different manner or set up differently. Not really. Not really. And so, so, so that, then it just comes down to, again, I can keep saying this, but taking your, time do not do not get quick um same thing when i first started uh, working a, a knuckleball guy uh, charlie huff i mean i just you just don't really see that in the minor leagues right so your 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 first exposure really is is in the big leagues and, and uh, you had to, uh you had a few guys but you know at first i mean the thing about a knuckleball is the you know the hitter can't hit it and the catcher can't catch it but by god don't miss it if you're the umpire you know? so <laughs> and i was I, you know, you, you can kind of throw out all the, uh, all the, uh, things that, uh, a normal pitcher, uh, you know, that you, that you use to, to call balls and strikes because knuckleballs aren't going to look pretty and they're still strikes. They've gone through the strike zone, but they're, you know, they're, and I finally, a veteran guy told me, he said, he said, <laughs> he said with the knuckleball, don't, you know, think strikes because most people don't know anyway, <laughs> they can't tell, you know? So, you know, if you're not sure, you know, don't, don't get so fine back there 
um, that that you're you're balling pitches and you know consistently because it's just not doesn't look pretty. They're not going to look pretty. So you know you you need to think strikes and 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 call them as such. And and, and a lot of times the hitters they don't they're like. I don't know <laughs> I mean, because they're so they're so uh, such a bizarre pitch. You know, nowadays I would think they, you know, major league fastballs increase four or five miles an hour. You got guys coming in, you know, in relief four or five innings, so 98 to a hundred. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. Not only do you have to, you know, worry about the fastball, which at least goes fairly straight. It's got movement, obviously, but now you got a curveball 12 to six or a slider um, what's the toughest pitch if there is one to call? Is it the 12 to six? They don't throw that very often down, you know, the curveball. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, probably I would say probably, uh, the, the, the slider that's, that's, that's down in a way that, 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 you know, that, that move, I mean, these guys are unbelievable how, how they, you know, this, you know, the ball will, you know, right when, right when it needs to move, it moves, you know, <laughs> right when it's getting to that uh, plate area and then it does something goofy. Um, you know, but, it, but as a, as an umpire, you're not thinking pitches. You're not thinking, well, he'll throw a fastball now, or he'll throw the, uh. I'm not trying to hit the pitch. I'm trying to call the pitch. And so hmm. if I'm, if I'm guessing pitches like a hitter will, um, you know, I might think, oh, he'll throw a fastball here. And then he throws something, you know, and I, I'm not even ready for it. Cause I thought it was gonna be a fastball, just like a hitter. Right. So, you know, people say, well, were you thinking that? No, not at all. All I'm doing is picking up the ball, whatever he throws, and 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 trying to judge if it's in the zone or not uh, the, you know the moment you start guessing pitches you're going to be guessing <laughs> balls and strikes so uh we think t- totally differently that way you know what that's interesting because the other part and there's so much that's why i love talking about this because i have so much respect for umpires because it's such a difficult job it's incredible what they do at the major league level and here you know here's another one that i always thought how did they make this call you know and 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 maybe ask you should we be changing the system a little bit? Check swings. I mean, you're talking about seeing a curveball, slider, fastball at 100, and understand, understanding, did he, you know, swing? Right. Um, is that fair for the home plate umpire? Well, yes and no. First of all, check swings are a bitch. I mean, I, I, I'm often asked, what's the toughest call? Well, check swings are right up That's there. It. Uh, because, it, the, first of all, the rule is very vague, which is actually kind of good. <laughs> because if, if, if it wasn't... Uh, um, let me put it this way. You could have a guy that, uh, has the bat moves quite a bit, but he didn't check. He, he, he checked his swing, but even though there's a, a lot of movement on the back, cause he, you know, maybe he came here, but he, you know, he really didn't offer the pitch. He stopped, but the bat moves a little bit. Then you could have a guy, a bat that barely moves at all, but he definitely had making uh, made an attempt. Um, so, so there's, you know, just, I mean, there's not one set criteria that you, you can't say, well, he went, you know, his, uh, the barrel went past this or, uh, it, you know, the, the old wives tale that he, he, he uh, you know, his wrist, he broke his wrist or whatever. Right, right, you, right. Know, you, you, as a, as an umpire on the bases, uh, you know, when you're on first or third and you, and they're going to, you know, come to you, uh, you, you're just, you know, it's not one specific thing that you're looking at. You're looking at the entire thing and just making a judgment on it. And I know that's a vague answer, but, but uh, a check swing really is, uh, how you uh, get good at calling check swings is just seeing them, seeing them, just experience wow. and seeing them. Now, you know, there's other factors involved. The dark, like black bats, darker bats, they're tougher to pick up, uh, you know, when they, when they, when they, when they move the bat. The other thing that's deceiving from the television aspect, uh, some parks will have a camera on the uh, home plate end of a dugout. Mm-hmm. Some will be on the outfield end of a dugout. Yeah. 
big difference in the in, in that angle from those two cameras and neither of those cameras is the angle that's right on the line right and that's the, not fair to the umpire when that's not television well exactly because you, a viewer only sees what the camera shows them. i mean they they don't you know right. and and once in a while you get a pretty good angle from what would be the same angle the umpire has on on certain things but a lot of times you you know you, you don't have the same angle you know just recently there was a play in kansas city where uh, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. was 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 picked off, and then he you know slid hard into fast, you know, fast and hard into third with a fielder right behind him trying to tag him, and Witt came off the bag. The fielder also made contact with him. It looked like maybe he 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 you know pushed him off the bag. Mm-hmm. Now Manny Gonzalez was the third base umpire. He was behind third base, and from that angle, from the angle that he had, it definitely looked like it was an overslide that he you know he was out. Sure. Now you look at the angle from, uh, you know, from the home plate. That. Yeah, from the, and and the angle that the Matheny saw as the Royals man, uh, uh, the Royals manager. You look at his angle; it looks like it definitely was pushed off. I mean, that's the same play, but it it looks it looks very different from from each side. Now, um, the viewer has the uh, luxury of seeing all the angles, right, and making making a judgment. And if you, you know, uh, Manny saw it from the angle he was at, and he was at, it wasn't like he was, he, it's not like he was out of position. I mean, that's, that's, that's where he was. It was just a goofy play and a very, quite frankly, could have gone either way. If you, if you see that play from, from uh, Matheny's angle, I definitely got the guy pushing him off. You see it from uh, Gonzalez's angle, I, I got him over sliding. So, wow. uh, you know, that's what, that's why we make the big bucks, right? <laughs> but uh, you know, the, I, the, I, the angles play such a big role in in how you see the play and 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 we were talking about check swings that those those cameras that on either end of the dugout make a big difference but remember they're not even close to the angle that the umpire sees it so uh wow. it, it's very uh, subjective and now you got new york they got all these cameras they got to make a decision as quick as possible you know with you know whether whatever the call was made that can't be easy for the umpires in new york are you talking about the replay yeah, the replay because, yeah. like you said, the angle, different angles. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, at least the the you know when I sat in replay, at least you you got all the feeds, and so you were able to see all the feeds. Unlike the umpire who has his one feed, which is where right. he's at. Um, but again, uh, in I was in replay where <laughs> you look this feed, man, he looks like the tag was there. This feed, I think he might have beat it. I mean, it's it, it, you know when when replay was first coming into to, to baseball that you know that we need replay that, that'll solve all of our problems if we have replay. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I mean, there's there's still plays and you see them practically every day that you know are just too you can't you just can't you know 100 tell now fans are going to see stuff with their with their heart and not their and not their not their head sure. okay uh, so they're going to say well it's obviously safe well yeah, it's not really but <laughs> you know <laughs> what what is obvious to you because i don't think that's obvious he may be safe but that's not obvious you know um <laughs> so uh uh so you have that but yeah you know you do have even even more than the viewer at home when you're in replay okay if, you, if you're watching the uh the white Sox telecast right and they're playing the rangers uh, we get both telecast, you know, camera angles from both where the White Sox people only see the White Sox in their ah, replays, right? So sometimes, uh, sometimes you'll, you'll be as a viewer, um, you know, they, they overturn, you go, how did they overturn it? There was nothing there. Well, there's nothing there on the broadcast you saw or the cameras right. that you saw, but the cameras of this other broadcast uh, actually wow. had a camera. Now uh, they're, they're supposed to clip that and, and send it to the, uh, 
to the other uh, broadcast and also the stadium to let people know this is the angle that the decision was made on. So to, as transparency, you know, because if they didn't do that, uh, and as you know, like my example, a White Sox fan going, there was no angle that they should have done that. And they think it's a conspiracy when, when in, in actuality, there was an angle. You just didn't see it. Very interesting. That's why I love these talks. You know, on the check swing, I got to ask you this. One, mm -hmm. uh, is there a particular, is there a flat out rule? I know it's not an easy call. That's one, the actual rule of the check swing. What is it? And two, is it better for the base umpires to call it no matter what? Well, you know, um, you know, well, first of all, the rule, the rules, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's written pretty open. It's, it's, you know, it, it in, the judgment, in the judgment that he, that he made an yeah, attempt so at, at, the, at the ball. It, it doesn't right. say if his, if, if the barrel of the bat goes beyond the, the front point of right. the plate or if the, you okay. know, not, that's not in there. I got um, it. As far as the plate man. Uh, calling it, you know, a lot of times you'll call a strike. Uh, yeah, he swung, and oh no, no, you have to ask, you have to ask, you have to ask. Um, uh, but <laughs> you know, as a plate guy, you're trying to get your plays. Okay, you, 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 you know, you're not wanting to have, you know, your partners making all the calls for you. But when you have a close check swing, probably it's and you have a ball. Obviously, you're not calling a strike on the pitch. Uh, it, you know, it, the best case scenario is probably to give it to your partner because they're going to want that anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are times, I mean, there were times when I was working the plate that I, you know, <laughs> checks with I mean, I had him swinging and, and, and then I find out that, nah, he probably really didn't, you know, but I was sure in my mind that he had, you know, and, and other times I, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't have him swing and then <laughs> point down my partner. Yeah. He swung. Hello. Uh, but, you know, so, so it, it Listen, check swings are a bitch, like I said, and and and, you know, if you want a rule that every check swing, you just have to go to your partner. Well, you know, make that rule. But right now uh, it's the plate umpires call unless uh, and if he calls a ball and no and no swing, then by rule they can ask. And and, and then and he has to he has to ask, um, you know, I, I guess, it, you know, in a way it would be easier if they had changed the rule, and just said every check swing has to be asked. But then as the base umpires, you're going, okay, great. I got it all. I mean, <laughs> you, know, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, sometimes there's no solution. Okay. Sure. <laughs> it's a, uh, sometimes uh, you can, you can have those, uh, the base guys call it every time. It's not going to solve the ones that could have gone either way. You know, I mean, it's, you, you, sometimes there's no solution to what uh, the quote unquote problem is. You know, I, you know, one thing I want to do is I definitely want to get to the book right now. Uh, but one more thing before you do, you mentioned earlier, because we see it on television a lot, not television, but in the, in the media, um, you know, we're losing umpires, young umpires, you yeah. know, especially we're trying to get more kids to umpire, right? Because that way you, you know, if they love it, they can continue, maybe have make a career out of it, but we need young umpires, but you're seeing parents and all these people always pressuring these kids and getting on them. It's getting really nasty at times. So we're, we don't have a lot of umpires, you know, we're losing umpires right. and there's some games. You can't even play games now because there's no right. umpires. Right. What's your advice there? Uh, what do we need to do? I know it's a big project, but what, what needs to be done when it comes to communication? Well, uh, a couple of things. Um, one thing is, is it, it not, not in all leagues or, you know, but the uh, game fees haven't changed much we need to boost those up a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, um, when, you know, uh, you know, a young kid, uh, you know, trying out umpire and he's 18, 19, my age, 15, 16 or whatever, but, uh, he figures out that, you know, I kind of like this. It's kind of fun. 
but you know, I'm not making a whole hell of a lot of money and that's okay, but I'm getting so much grief, uh, you know, from coaches and, and fans and stuff that I could still do something else, make more money and not get the grief. So I think game fees need to need to rise a little bit. Uh, they've, they've kind of been stagnant and it, and it is starting to happen, starting to happen, but there is an issue with, with uh, some of the stuff that's just the, 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 the screaming and yelling and, 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 and uh, abuse, frankly. I yeah. mean, I remember I, I, I've been asked for years, you know, many times, are you ever, you know, in the big leagues, are, were you ever uh, concerned about, you know, your safety or security? I said, in the big leagues? No. <laughs> when I was working, when I was 16 and 17 and 18 and working, uh, who knows what, there was no security. And I had, I mean, there were times I, I worked the plate. I, I'm going back to my parents' car to take off my uh, chest protector and shin guard and stuff. And I'm followed by, you know, angry parents or coaches or something that they're going to key the car. They're going to, they're going to uh, you know, slash my tires, you know, and that guy, I had, you know, you had zero security and trust me, you may like umpiring a lot, but if you get, a, you get that a few times a week, it's like, you know, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, people need to realize again, part of the problem, the younger kids who are learning the game, are not going to have D1 college umpires working the game. Okay. Those are going to be young umpires working the game. They're learning to umpire. So cut them some slack for crying out loud. Okay. Uh, you know, little Johnny can barely catch a fly ball or hit a cutoff, man. But by God, if this guy misses a pitch, we're going to crucify him. You know, and it's like, you know, uh, I, I just think things and, and, you know, our society has changed uh, uh, with social media and everything. And, and sure. people are much, uh, uh, verbal entitled whatever that but just let's calm down these why and let me add by the way uh, not only is it uh, discouraging uh, some umpires young umpires especially that are just starting out they work a year maybe two years and they say i just i just can't do this anymore because it's it can be discouraging and very embarrassing for a lot of the players when they're out there and they oh, yeah. and, and you have some uh, maybe it's your one of your parents or maybe it's just you know other parents of, of kids on the team that are just screaming and, and making a, a you know just a, a big show that could be a little embarrassed uh, i mean I've, I've much younger when i was working but i, I remember uh, hearing players say i just wish you would shut up you know, <laughs> you know because it's just embarrassing they're they're trying to you know they're trying to learn the game and, and play the game um yes it's you want your team to do well yes you want your kid to do well but um, you know, there's, it's gotten to the point a lot of times. And, and, and then you see, you know, videos of people fights breaking out in the stands. I mean, come on, people, <laughs> come on. Is this for the kids or is this for you guys? I mean, come on, you know, let's, let's, let's just try to get back to what this all is all about. It's a game. It's a, it's supposed to be a fun game. And, uh, if, 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 if players and umpires, and as far as that goes, coaches have, have fun doing it and have a, a positive, uh, a time, you know, during the season, they'll want to do it again and do it again and do it again. But if it's constantly in turmoil and, and, and just all this, uh, uh, you know, angry, angry, you know, stuff going around, it's just, it's not encouraging. Yeah. And I got to believe, you know, you know, parents need to umpire and see how tough it is. They get, yes. you know, they can get behind and make those calls. That's why a lot of times in practices, I have kids umpire because I yeah. want them to get the feeling, understanding what it's all about. We tell kids, you know, we're not going to yell at you when you make mistakes, you know, because we're going to work on it. And, and But yet we're we're yelling at umpires. What's the difference? We all make mistakes. We shouldn't be yelling at anybody, which is crazy. Um, uh, hopefully things will change because, we, like I said, we need young umpires. Right. And we need yeah, to keep, keep those guys, you know, so they want to come back. And, and like like I did, I started 15 and, uh, and you know, 
Uh, I've talked to several, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds that say, yeah, I really do like doing this, but after two or three years, I just, you know, I, I just can't take it anymore. You know, I can't blame them. Who wants right. to yell constantly? Right. I mean, right. Um, when they're trying to do their best, you know, and then, uh, you know, even though they're going to make mistakes and that's okay. There's you have an umpire supervisor at the younger levels, right? When right. they make mistakes, they learn from them. They, you know, they talk about it and you got to give kids, you know, some, uh, like you said, some slack here. Hey, uh, on top of all this, umpiring is so tough. You've done it at the major league level all these years. Um, at the same time, in 2014, you came out as the first openly gay umpire, not only in baseball, but if I read it correctly, in five sports. In the five um, major sports, yeah. Yeah, the pressure of that had to be a lot more than umpiring a major league game. <laughs> Well, you know, I was the first active uh, sports official in, in uh, male sports official in the, in the big five uh, sports to come out. Uh, but you have to understand, um, by, by the time I, that I did that publicly, uh, Major League Baseball, the people I worked for, uh, people that signed my checks, they had already known this. And the umpires that I was on the field with, the staff, they also knew this. So this wasn't news to them per se. Now they, they didn't know that my whole career. I mean, this, uh, I I hit it uh, for years and I actively hit it uh, for years, not only in the minor leagues, but my first 15 years in the big leagues. Um, But uh, you know, it was news to fans and teams and the media. And um, you know, it it was, it was, it was, it was a deal that uh, uh, my husband, Michael, uh, we, we met after my first year, in the American League. So we met in the fall of, of 1986 and we've been together ever since. Now we didn't, you know, weren't able to get married and we legally got married in 2013. But uh, the, one of the reasons I, I, I decided to come out publicly is um, because of that, I, you know, the year before we, we, we got married, but we'd been together for so long. And I, and I was thinking of all the, uh, all the ad uh, uh, advocates, all the, uh, all the people that tried in the gay community that was, you know, pushing uh, marriage equality, that that were actively trying to change the laws, trying to change the attitudes, frankly, of of mm-hmm. a lot of people, or at least under you know, try to understand uh, our our viewpoints and 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 you know all the work they've done and blood, sweat, and tears, or whatever. And and here I am, uh, you know, have been very successful, and I just felt hypocritical that I, that I, that I, that I was still doing this because, you know, when I was home, I mean, so many people knew, but it wasn't knowledge to the, the bigger, uh, you know, arena that I'm in. Um, and, and so I just thought, you know, it's just time. <laughs> I also though, you know, as you get older and, and, and I was established, let's be honest, I wasn't my rookie year. It wasn't my first five years or something. Right. I was an established umpire that world series and crew chiefs. And obviously uh, major league baseball knew my situation. I was continuing to get postseason assignments. You know, obviously, it was not an issue for them. Um, and and uh, but I also had gotten to the point, uh, you know, Peter. That you know, frankly, if you got a problem with this, really your problem. It's not my problem. I, right. I know who I am. I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with my life. And I'm sorry that that this is something that's going to you know rattle your cage a little bit. But uh, that's something that you, you you know you need to work with because it's it's not a problem for me. So I I just uh, I, I felt hypocritical. I just felt that this this uh, and I wasn't sure what the reaction would be, frankly. And you know I came out in December, so it wasn't during the season. Hmm. Uh, we were months away from a game. What was the reaction? Well, the re- reaction in December was uh, extreme. Well, in total was extremely positive. I, I, I received over uh, 
over 200 emails from around the world. Um, from from every walk of life, uh, you know, firemen, policemen, uh, other sports officials in a bunch of different sports. Uh, 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 you know, some were saying, uh, you know, congratulations, your your story has really given me the courage to 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 yep. to come out of the closet. Or you, you've you've I'm not quite there yet, but I'm another step closer because I've heard your story. Um, w- one of the reactions that I constantly talk about because I I think it just personifies why I did this or why it was the right thing to do. Uh, I got a uh, email from a senior in high school in the LA area who was an umpire. Um, he, his goal was to be a major league umpire and he was also gay, but he wasn't out. And he, he wrote me and he said, because of you, now I know I may not make it to the big leagues because I don't have the talent, but it's not because of who I am. Yes. And that uh, that's gold. I mean, that's gold. That's why you do this. I mean, not, I mean, not that I was second guessing me doing this, but, but when I read that, it was my, my God, this, you know, and, and that's, you know, I heard from people that took the time to message me, how many people didn't message me, but that's what I was going to say, but this story somehow affected them in a positive way. Um, And, and I, you know, I, it just, uh, that's one of the reasons, quite frankly, because uh, I wasn't planning on writing a book, but um, when I was talking to, to uh, Rob Nyer, who, who uh, uh, helped me write this book, um, you know, and, and he was saying, you know, I told him, I said, Rob, a lot of umpires have written books when they've retired and they're fun stories and this and that, but I just, yeah, it's been done. I just didn't you know, want to do that. And he said, well, that's true. A lot of guys have, and that's true, you know, and you've got the stories. I mean, 30 plus years, 30, you know, you've got the stories but you have a story that nobody else has. And mm-hmm. it's one that I think needs to be out there. I think it's something that needs to be. And the more I thought about it, he, he, you know, he's right. I mean, I, I you know, I, I was successful. Things worked out for me, but it would have been nice when I was uh, young and, and, and there was a, a mentor or somebody I looked up to that was a, a sports official of some kind or, or an umpire that, that, you know, I mean, of course it was a totally different time. I get it, but, but you know, that, that would have been nice. And, and, and all the, the positive stuff that I heard after becoming out publicly, I thought, you know what, maybe this story does need to be out there. And so that's, that's the motivation for writing the book. And, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't been out long, but, uh, so far the feedback has been very, very positive. Yeah. I think it was May 1st, right on Amazon. The, the, well, the publishing date was May 1st, but, but books were available, uh, starting in late March, actually, uh, uh people that pre-ordered and that kind of stuff. So, uh, Bob Custis gave you a great, uh, credit. Yeah. I, I was reading, yeah. uh, there's, uh, I had some editorial reviews is what they call them, but, uh, David Cohn, Bob Costas, Harold Reynolds, um, uh, you know, I reached out to them, uh, sent them the manuscript, uh, um, or, you know, uh, Costas was great. I mean, I, I, I've met Bob a few times. I know Bob, but it's not like, Hey, Bob, what's up? I just, you know, <laughs> call him up and, but he was uh, outstanding. I've known Harold a long time. He's from Oregon. Uh, we're mm-hmm. both duck fans. So we've, we've had that in common. Uh, you know, David Cohn was actually, now he was my starting pitcher. Um, uh, the first world series game I worked, he was the starting pitcher. The, the first, uh, 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 league championship series, uh, that I worked, uh, I, I believe I have to check that one, but I mean, I've had David Cohen a lot, you know, when I was working and a great guy to work, cause he was always around the place. <laughs> he might, you know, he might get hit, but, but he's throwing strikes and that and you love that. But, uh, 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 Rob, you know, Rob Nyer, of course he's, you know, broadcasting for the Yankees and Rob Nyer yep. said, you know, uh, I, you know, I've done some stories on David and so why don't I, why don't I hit him up and see if you, you know, and he was very gracious. So, um, you know, that was, they said some really nice things. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, the, 
the exposure of this book, um, I, you know, I, again, the people that contact me, the people that uh, take the time to contact me, it's been great. There's, it's like the iceberg. So many more will not contact me, and that's that's fine. But 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 hopefully this story will will resonate, will help it, and well, you know, and and also you know, people that aren't gay, but maybe they, maybe they have a better understanding. You know, I'm not the stereotype. I'm not the, you know, well, he can't be gay. He's an umpire, you know, <laughs> you know it's just like, uh, you know, and uh, just to maybe get a little bit better understanding in this in this society um, that, quite frankly, we're everywhere. Uh, we we're in all walks of life and we're, you know, we're not we're you know we're you're we're humans we we pay taxes and we go to the grocery store <laughs> i mean we're, we're not some uh uh you know some uh, typical stereotype uh you know uh, you know predator or something like that so I, it's uh uh you know hopefully it'll it'll change some minds or at least open up some minds uh as to what you know what life's all about really well i'm sure it has and you know i'll tell you what i think you did a great thing and you know i wanted to ask in the book is there i want to give the book you know talk too much about it as far as what's in it. I want people to read it, but something that we didn't talk about, you know, that's interesting in the book that, you know, I know there's a lot of good things you have in there, but what's something that, you know, kind of tells a little bit about you, but also about maybe umpiring. Well, uh, you know, uh, there's some stories in there about the minor leagues and, and about how, uh, you know, when I, when I started out, uh, 1981 was my first year in professional baseball. I was in the Northwest league, which starts, you know, around June uh, 15th or something. Mm -hmm. um, I literally, my first game was literally like two weeks after the first reported mysterious uh, cancer was affecting these young men in San Francisco and New York. And they didn't know what it was. Well, it was the AIDS epidemic. It was the start yeah. of HIV and, you know, a lot of people don't remember or weren't around. People were horrified of the 80s. They didn't know how it was spread. They didn't they weren't sure how, uh, you know, if you touched a doorknob or if you whatever, you know, uh, Ryan White, a uh, uh, kid, it was a, a, a hemophiliac that had a bad blood transfusion that had, was uh, mm -hmm. infected. And, you know, he was ostracized from school and he can't, you know, I mean, um, it, there was a lot of fear and a fear. lot of yeah. unknown. And I'm starting my, you know, my, my professional baseball career. So, um, you know, it was one thing, I, obviously I didn't want baseball to know I was gay because it would affect, I, I thought I'd probably, you know, be fired or I wouldn't, I wouldn't advance. Let's put it that Man, way. In those and, days and, it could have been right. Right. Now I was also thinking, my God, even if they knew I was gay, there would be, a, there would be umpires who would not want to work with me. There would be a, you know, they wouldn't want to be anywhere near me because they're right. afraid. And, 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 you know, like we talked earlier, I mean, you're, you're in the, you're, you know, in the minor leagues, you share a hotel room, you're, you're, you're driving, you know, you have one car, you're driving everywhere. You're in the same locker room, you're on the field. I mean, you're, you're together a lot, in, uh, wow. especially in the lower minor leagues. So I had that whole thing over my head as I was trying to start off this new profession uh, and see, you know, try to, you know, work, work my way through the minor leagues. So I was actively uh, doing what I could to deceive, <laughs> to, uh, to uh, you know, and there's a story in the book that's kind of humorous. So when I, uh, in my spring training, my, my, uh, I just been like two years in the big leagues and uh, Mike's sister, Mary, who lived in Phoenix, and I was in uh, uh, spring training in Phoenix. She was single and she was a flight attendant for America West Airlines. 
I said, Mike, do you think your sister would, uh, she'd be into being my beard one night, you know, and I'll just take her to the, you know, where all the umpires hang out and introduce her and I'd throw everybody off scent, you know, if they, <laughs> and so she, she said, I think so. I, I asked her, she thought it was hilarious. So yeah, I, I write about it in the book. It's pretty funny, but you know, some of the guys that, you know, I introduced her and, and she's a good looking woman, right? And I remember one of the, one of the uh, uh, guys uh, that I had gone to umpire school with and he had, he wasn't in the big league. He was a triple A umpire at the time, but he, he said, uh, you know, kind of off to the side. So, so Scotty, uh, who is this again? <laughs> I said, well, this is uh, my roommate's uh, sister. And he, and he goes, and, 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 and how well do you know her? And I said, well, I, I know her very well, <laughs> Billy, very well. And he goes, okay. You can see, you can just see the wheels turning. Like, really? You know, that's uh, kind of surprising. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I actively was trying to throw off the scent or whatever. Sure. That being said, I, I knew who I was, and and I certainly, uh, you know, when I was home and in, in, in Portland, you know, I had gay friends and went and went to bars. So I wasn't a closeted man, but I was a closeted man in baseball, yeah. um, and uh, and and for many reasons. Um, but uh, the you know the book uh, it shares those stories. It shares uh, uh, a lot of good baseball stories uh, for sure, um, and uh, you know, but it also talks about you know me actively trying to hide who I was. Sure. So, you know, and, and that's, you know, what I like about that, too, is, like you said, a lot of people gives them more courage to come out, but not just gay people. But, you know, we all have something that we're hiding. I mean, well, look, I don't care who you are, something that you, you just don't <laughs> want people to know for right. whatever reason. You might be embarrassed about it. Right. Sure. I mean, Sure. So I, 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 I mean, one of the, one of the, let me tell you a couple of the messages I got when I came out. One was from a parent in Toronto, uh, a, a gentleman who said, uh, you know, I'm so, you know, congratulations. I'm so happy uh, for you. And I'm, and I'm hoping that it's stories like this, that uh, as I raise my two little girls, that, you know, that stories like this won't even be a story someday that, that that they'll they'll be able to live in a world where we won't have this uh you know this prejudice and and, and uh hatred toward homosexuals but I mean, I mean here's a guy that you know he he, he took the time to, to to message me just say thank you and i'm hoping this you know as i raise my girls one of my favorites was uh i i got a message from it, it said uh, it was this woman she said um uh, you know i'm a longtime season ticket holder new york yankees and i want to I just want to say congratulations to you and Mike. I hope you have a happy life. I'm so proud of you. Uh, you know, just beautiful first uh, paragraph. In the second paragraph, it says, however, as a longtime Yankee season ticket holder, for the life of me, I don't know how you could make some of those calls against the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I loved that because, yeah. because here's, here's someone that said, I, I'm so proud of you and I'm congratulations. I'm so glad you did this. Oh, and by the way, yeah, she's more worried about the calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, which is the way it should be. I'm an umpire. I, I understand Absolutely. that, you know. Uh, so, so you know, the, the last one I'll tell you is just a funny one. I it was Some guy, it was, you know, not knowing what the reaction was going to be in that uh, in that 2015 season, as I, you know, uh, you know, after I'd come out a few months earlier, I was in, the, I was in uh, Atlanta working third base and it was between innings. I'm just kind of standing there. And I, and in the article uh, that I came out, it, it mentions that I'm, you know, I'm a big Oregon duck fan. I grew up in Eugene and have season tickets to ducks and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there and there's a, a lull. And all of a sudden I hear somebody, you know, kind of behind me. I cannot believe that Dale Scott came out as a duck fan. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for the punchline. He goes, but with all those uniform changes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so I, I thought, I thought that's classic. That's funny. You know, that's that funny, funny stuff, but uh, it, it was a very positive experience, but I also, I, I also hope um, that uh, for, for other uh, gay people, maybe it gives them uh, 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 courage or, or, or the strength to maybe do things in their lives. And I hope for people that are gay, it just hopefully it, it, it shows that we're everywhere. You, you can't stereotype, you can't assume, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like everybody else, quite frankly, uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and just to maybe um, yeah, loosen up a little bit about, about that. And, and society is doing, you know, we've getting taken better. a lot of steps. There's been a few yes. backward steps, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah, but it's getting better, which is good to see. And uh, well, Dale, listen, man, congratulations on the book. Um, and I got to, you know, we're going to put all our stuff information on the show notes. We're going to try to get it out as much. I'm sure it's going to sell really well. Um, well, I hope so. I, I uh, UmpireDaleScott.com is my website. Yep. Uh, that'll have a lot of information on it. My, my schedule. I've got a lot of uh, uh, book promotion stuff going around in different parts of the country. If, uh, if you want to get your book signed, if, you know, that kind of stuff, there's that information. So, uh, and, I, that's what I, and I, that's what I wanted to finish with. Cause I wanted to ask you what's Dale Scott doing now. He's got the book, he's doing book signings. What else are you doing? I'm sure you stay you're probably more busy than you were when you were major. Uh, just Alpine. about here's, here's my June schedule. If you can see <laughs> that, I mean, I, 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 I uh, I, I did the uh, Pride Night in San Diego uh, throughout the first pitch for their Pride Night. I have seven more Pride Nights. I'm not throwing out the first pitch for all of them, but I have seven more Pride Nights all in June, um, all around the country. Uh, coming up uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be in Boston, but on May, on May uh, 17th, I'm going to be at the Baseball Hall of Fame doing a live stream uh, event interview. Wow. Very excited about that. I've never been to Cooperstown. Um, I've never been to the hall, obviously. Yeah, they're going to give me a little private tour beforehand, which I'm excited about. So that's that's happening. But uh, again, umpiredalescott.com. Uh, uh, you can you know catch some of this stuff. And uh, and I'm just I, I'm very appreciative uh, to be on here. And thank you for the invite to uh, be able to help uh, tell my story. Dale, thank you. And, uh, you know, the other part of this also was, uh, you know, we're talking about umpires make great speakers when it comes to banquets, you know because of the stories that you guys have. Um, I think that, that I think if folks are interested in that, we'll put everything out of contact you. So that way, if there's in reaching out to you about a particular project, I'll stay in touch as far as internationally, maybe we'll do something together. Sure. I think that'd be great. The other thing I wanted to ask before we close, where does the first pitch, throwing out the first pitch the first time, where's that rate when it comes to pressure? Was there pressure throwing that pitch? Oh, okay. You, well, you, yeah, first of all, I said, you want me to throw that for you? You know, I'm an umpire, right? Yeah. And, then, and, then I, and then I said, I you know, you got a little closer. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah. No, hey, listen, I know my limitations. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I would have done the same thing. And I told you know, I, the first time that I did it was with the Dodgers in, in 2018. And I said, you, you realize I just usually handed it to the catcher and they threw it out. So maybe we can uh, work something out. But, but I, you know, uh, the Dodgers gave me a, a Jersey with my name and, and, yep. and, and my number, uh, number five. And, 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 it was so weird because putting that on was just so not what an umpire does. You never wear, uh, uh, you know, uh, like, uniform, like your, like your favoritism. So I felt like I was like doing something like, like, you know, a sin or something. <laughs> but, but then I went to Baltimore that same year, a few weeks later, 
and I'm putting on the jersey they gave me, and they go, oh, by the way, you know, the last guy to wear this was Brooks Robinson. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, talking about pressure. Now I, I'm going to go out with number five, which hasn't been worn since Brooks Robinson with the Orioles. Wow. Uh, and I'm going to throw, you know, and, I, and of course I had a horrible throw. So, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Like you said, at least you were an umpire. You're not a player. So people kind of right. expected a so-so throw. Right. Well, of course, you a so-so throw, and then me calling a strike. That's what they're. That's what they think. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Uh, listen, I got to thank you. It's really been a pleasure first meeting you and having you on the show. Sure. Um, I wish you the best with the book and in anything you're doing in life, man. Uh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. Dale Scott. Thank you. Special thanks to Dale. Special thanks to Brian Crocker, producer with the Lineup Media Group. And special thank you, ESPN Honolulu, along with all the folks in the U.S. and around the world. Thank you. Remember, stay safe. God bless you. And we'll see you on the next show. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.